Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning again. Welcome to church. So glad you're with us. We kicked off last week this series entitled Friendly Fire, and our goal and desire is that we would develop healthy relationships. We said last week that you are not designed to just have something in life to do, but to have someone to do life with. Uh, we're measured not by the works that we do with our hands, but the influence and, and the uh, work that we're able to do with one another, to influencing one another. And uh, we're continuing with that as we develop uh, just being intentional in relationships, uh, that when we live intentional, it will eliminate incidentals. And you know what it's like, I'm sure, to have relationships that have been affected by incidents, by incidentals, the friendly fire that not intended, not, not wanted or desired, but yet uh, things that occur and things that happen in life and how we respond to those things that we would allow our relationships to be developed, to become greater. We said last week that we want to develop and learn the language of healing, that healing would flow from us to one another. You can't heal me, but you can allow healing to flow through you to me. I can't heal you, but, but I can allow healing to flow from me, through me, to you. That we have this influence and this opportunity that when we learn to speak the language of healing and relationships in our lives, uh, it becomes a, a health and a, a stronger uh, commitment and a stronger work that we're able to accomplish together. In Romans chapter 14, Paul is addressing an issue, and I want to talk about a specific issue that without a doubt, when left by itself, it can cause many incidentals in relationships and many types of relationships. Some people would consider this issue that Paul's addressing to be a spiritual gift or a special calling. And uh, how many today would uh, consider yourself to have the gift of criticism? Anybody have the gift of criticism? Romans chapter 14 stands with me today, and I want to look at, at this, uh, this writing. Paul, of course, speaking to us today, and uh, starting with verse 14, I'm sorry, verse uh, 10 of chapter 14, Romans 14, verse 10, if, uh, if you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the, the screen as well, and uh, reading from the New Living Translation, Paul asks this question, verse 10, so why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? Remember, we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me and every tongue will declare allegiance to God. Yes, even of us, or yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. So let's stop condemning each other. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble or fall. I know and I am convinced to the authority Of the Lord Jesus Christ that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. Amen. But if someone believes it is wrong, then for that person it is wrong. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or what we drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. If you serve Christ with this attitude, 
If you serve Christ with this attitude, I would say to you today or to us today, our attitude matters more than our actions. Our actions matter, but the attitude, if you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. So then, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. I want to share just for the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 minutes. Don't leave. I want to share from this, this title this morning, Looking Down the Barrel. And I want to ask this question. Uh, how do we handle or how do we respond to the differences that we have in relationships? How do we deal with our differences? Father, I pray that you would give us grace and wisdom. I thank you that your word is truth. And I pray, God, that you would, uh, you would cause our hearts to, uh, to hear your word. And God, that we would respond. Let it not just be our ears that hear, but God, today I pray that it would be our spirit as well. That we would hear your word. And Lord, let it do your work in us. Let this church be even stronger because of the relationships we have with one another. And let our world be affected because of the relationship we have through this place. We pray this in Jesus' name. And if you agree with that today, would you just say amen? amen. Hug somebody nearby you and tell them today, I got you, I got you, I got you. I got you. You're going to be saying that a couple times over the next few weeks. I got you. I hope you meant it. I hope you meant it. Because the person you're sitting beside needs you and you need them. We are needed in this work that God has called us to do. And it's this purpose of having relationship. God gave us relationships that we, that we can become better in developing and walking into what God has for us. We talked last week about Adam and Eve, and Adam, of course, of all the creation that was made, he saw the, the birds of the air, the, the animals in the wild, and all that was there, but the Bible says there was not a helper suitable for Adam. And then the Lord created Eve, and we said last week that, that Adam saw Eve, and his response was, finally, someone who gets me. This was someone he could relate to, and it was a helpmate. And the reason it was a helpmate is because no, one, no other creation or no other created being was able to help Adam pro process and, and develop his thoughts and to walk into his, his purpose. But Eve came along. One of the most, uh, the, the, the greatest relationships that we can have on this earth is in relationship with a husband and wife. But we're not just talking about marriage. We're talking about every type of relationship. Because not only as a husband and wife to be a helper to each other, to help each other develop the purpose that God has and to walk into what God has called us to, but not only is it with, with relationships of husband and wife, but with one another, with family members, with the body of Christ, that we are in each other's life to make each other better. That's the goal. Unfortunately, though, we trade sometimes the purpose of perfecting one another will never become perfect, but the process of perfecting one another. Instead of perfecting one another, sometimes we settle for performing for one another. That to perfect one another is to, is to allow each other to rub off on one another, to influence, to encourage as iron sharpening iron, to make each other stronger. But sometimes we settle just to learn the song and the dance and to just perform. 
As long as we can perform the right way, we can make everybody happy and everything will be, be peaceful. And we settle sometimes to have a peace that is not really digging deep and to work on issues, but we settle to have a, a peace that is just learn how to get by and just sing the song and dance. And as long as I can tap the way you like it and I make you happy, then we'll be good. But if the moment I slip out and you don't like what I do, then we've got problems and vice versa. That we, as long as we can perform, but relationships aren't healthy because they can perform for one another. Relationships are healthy because they help each other and make this process of helping each other become perfect, to become better, to become greater in the work and walking into the purpose that God would have. You see, my purpose in your life and what I should be accomplishing with you is that I'm called to play a supporting role in your life. I'm called to be a supporting actor in the work that God is developing and creating in you. But sometimes, instead of playing the role of supporting actor, some people elevate themselves to movie critic. They elevate themselves to being the one who dissects what they like and dislike, and it's their job to criticize whether or not the film's being done the way they think it ought to be done, when my job was simply to be a supporting actor and a supporting role in what God is wanting to develop in your life. But when we step in the line of criticism, we elevate ourselves to a place that really it becomes all about us. I um, hope you're taking notes today, and if you are, please write this down. Criticism is not a spiritual gift. I know that we're all good at some level of criticizing, and criticizing just means this, finding fault. It's our nature. No one has to develop us at finding fault. You, you might have to learn in an area, if your job is to, is to learn how something works and in order to keep it working, then you have to critique it to make sure that it's doing what it's supposed to. I get that. There's areas that we have to critique and areas we have to find the faults to troubleshoot and to fix. But when it comes to relationships, the first step is not finding fault. The first step is finding love. The first step is not finding fault with one another. It's developing and knowing God's love that he has for one another. You see, critical people are, are not people that we really need to develop. In fact, I don't even know that anyone hiring would say, hey, my highest quality and my highest desire is I want a highly critical person. Someone who tends to be a critical person may be someone that really has no loyalty no regard for the company or regard for, for the business at large, but simply from their own perspective, from what they would want and what it, how it looks to them and dealing with this spirit of criticism because criticism has the ability to tear down. And when we leave criticism unattained and, or when we leave criticism by itself, that it will cause defeat. Paul asked this heartfelt question. Here's the question that Paul is saying. He says, why do you condemn your fellow believer? And why do you look down on, your, on a fellow believer? Now, I hear this question, and I can read it and think Paul's just asking the same question twice in a different phrase to the same person, but he's not. He's speaking to two different types of people. At the beginning of chapter 14, he identifies and says, that we are to accept the weaker brother, the weaker believer. He's speaking to one who is weak in their faith and another who is strong in their faith. This already is a concern for us because we don't want to be put in any category of weakness. But let me give you the, the scenario that Paul is saying. He's saying, why do you condemn weaker brother 
Why do you condemn the one who's stronger? And stronger, brother, why do you look down on the one who's weaker? Here's the example that Paul uses in their day. And I want you to see this. Paul is using the example of eating meat. There is the weaker brother, the one who is weaker in their faith. The weaker brother says, don't eat meat. Because we don't want to eat meat that's been offered to idols. And because it's been offered to idols, we don't want to participate in idol worship. So we're not going to eat meat. And because we don't know if that meat has been sold in the market. And even when we go to people's houses, we don't know if they properly took care of the meat. And so because we don't want to eat meat that's offered to idols, no meat. And so Paul says they're the weaker brother who says no meat. They build the regulations. Don't touch. Don't do. You you don't have this. You've got to not eat meat. And then he says to the stronger brother, he says to the weaker brother, don't condemn or judge the person who doesn't have the same convictions as you. But then he says to the stronger person, don't look down on the person who has those convictions that you don't. See, the stronger person says, I don't even believe idol worship is a thing, so I'm free to eat whatever meat I want because idols, there's nothing to worship idols. Idols are, are, are really a thing, but they don't have any power. There's no value. There's nothing to them. The God I serve is greater, so I'm not limited by those things. I am free to eat whatever I want. This is two different sides. And there's one who is weaker saying, You shouldn't do that, we shouldn't allow that, we shouldn't have that, and then the one who is stronger. I don't like using the stronger and weaker, even though I probably don't like it because I probably find myself being on the weaker side. I tend to be the one that says, well, holiness, we got to do it just like this and just like that, and it's got to work this way, and there's truth and there's value. There's absolutely standards without a doubt. But then there are some things that aren't a matter of right and wrong, it's just different. Paul already addressed in chapter 13, he says, don't lust, don't lie, don't steal, don't be involved in sexual immorality. Paul makes the statement of immoral things that are absolutes, but then there are some things that are left for our own decision. I wish Paul would have stepped in the boat right here into the scene and said, guys, you're arguing over whether we should eat meat or not eat meat. And Paul, I wish he would have stepped in and said, here's the rule, here's what you do, here's how it happens. But Paul doesn't do that. You know why? Because Paul is painting the picture and letting us know that what we do is not as important as who we do it unto. What you do is not as important as who you do it unto. That what you do, and here Paul says, if you don't eat meat, then don't eat meat. If you think it's okay to eat meat, then it's okay to eat meat. But what Paul is saying, the last thing you want to do is allow yourself to address the differences in ways that cause a separation. If we don't learn how to handle our differences, if we don't learn how to handle the differences that we have between us, this is where prejudice comes in, racism, bigotry, divorce, bullying, Because there's many things that we have around us that are not a matter of right and wrong. It's just different. It's different. And when we try to spell it out as to what's right, as to what's wrong, Paul says it's not important all the time that some issues are not a matter of right and wrong. It's a matter of being able to keep your heart in the right place and to work with each other even though you're different. Um, have you ever met someone different than you? 
mean, we're all good until we get to this place where you do something different than I do. And the problem is we try to build our case. We either judge from our point of view or we look down from this standpoint because we somehow try to convince ourselves and the others that this is a right or wrong issue. This is not a right or wrong issue sometimes. It's a matter of sometimes we're just different. And when we allow differences, there have been a lot of denominations that have been started because of differences. There's been a lot of divorces that have occurred because of differences. There's been a lot of splintering and and hindering of, of relationships and works and things that were going on because of differences. We have differences. Just because we have differences doesn't mean it's a right or wrong. It means that there's just a different way of how we respond and making sure that we don't let ourselves become a hindrance to the work that God is wanting to do. You and I are different in the picture that God has given us here. Because I know if you're like me, I'm a black and white guy. And I believe in black and white and absolute. I believe that. But we can't deny the words that Paul is stating here. And Paul's saying there are some places and points where you can't make a cut and dry decision. I was a teenager leading worship about the age of 15. I was doing my best to be relevant. I love the Lord, leading worship. And wouldn't you know, in youth group one day, we did a song, a parody, to a song that was not a church song, but we took the melody of a not a church song, and we had Christian words to it, And we sang that in youth group and we did some motions. I was called out and brought before the pastor because I was allowing the world to come into the church. As a teenager, I'm thinking, God, I just want to love you, reach people. I'm thankful I had a dad who was not of a critical, judgmental spirit. I'm thankful I had a dad who, even though he was the pastor, did not say, well, we want to make sure everybody's okay with what we do, but a dad who said, Jason, sometimes you just have to let immature people be immature because they'll still get to heaven, but that's all the further they'll go. He didn't put them down. He just said, we love them, and we show the love of God to them, and we learn what we can from them, but we know that our approval comes from God And if we keep our heart in the right place, because I know there's a group of people that what he was teaching me was there are people who are just going to want you to perform for them. And if you perform, then you'll do the right thing and be the right way. They'll accept you at just the right time. But if you don't do it the right way, you'll always have someone to criticize. You'll always have someone to condemn you. You'll always have someone to challenge you or to come alongside and to tell you what you you ought to do and how it ought to be done and how it needs to work. And the body of Christ is made better when there's some things we just have to realize it doesn't matter. We've built too many churches and too many things and doctrines on stuff that doesn't matter. Go back to the beginning of this. Paul says it doesn't matter what day you worship. I know that there are some people, I grew up in the church all my life, and you don't do anything on Sunday. Totally get it. It's the Sabbath. But hey, when you're the preacher, you better find another Sabbath because Sunday's not a rest day. 
So if you think it's assigned to a day, that's not what God, Jesus even said, Sabbath, man was not made for the Sabbath, the Sabbath was made for man. Don't create doctrine and rules and regulations out of stuff that becomes more and you make something that God did not intend it to be that we miss the freedom and just allowing to be about the business and the work that God has called us to do. We have differences. We've got to be careful that we don't allow criticism to separate us, but that we not look down the barrel at one another. But instead of picking up the barrel, that we pick each other up. That we learn to build each other up in the work and the calling that God has for us. We're called to this business of reconciliation. This business of, of encouraging and blessing and helping each other. I want to give you a couple things today that for us, if we're going to be about the business that God has us be, if we don't handle with our differences, if we don't handle our differences properly, we'll miss developing what God wants us to develop and accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish. Here's number one. If we're going to be about the business of dealing with our differences, number one is this, mind your own business. Mind your own business. There are some things, that it's dangerous that we can be so quick to talk about the clutter in someone's house and forget to take care of the clutter in our own. Sometimes our quickness to call out the clutter in other people is just because we want to justify the clutter in our own. It's not even a desire to help that person. It's a desire that if I can point that out in them, then I've got things I can hide behind and I'm okay. If I can see that in them, then it justifies what's in me. You know what it's like when you meet someone who struggles with what you struggle with. Whoo, I'm not the only one is what you feel like. But then when you meet someone who is now trying to change or to do something different about it, then it becomes, well, I don't know who they think they are. They think they're better than everybody else. But because we'd rather it be, if we can see this in you, it allows us to hide and to cover up what's in us. Minding our own business becomes something that, that is our work to do. The Bible tells us this. He says that we will all give a personal account, that we'll stand before God, and we will give a personal account. We read this, this scripture already that as we stand before God in verse 12, you'll give it a personal account of what you have done in the body, what you've done in your life. You're only responsible for you. I don't know about you, but I've got enough to deal with in myself that I don't have time to deal with what you've got. Doesn't mean I don't care about you, I'll help you, but it's not my job to confront you and convict you because that's the Holy Spirit's job. If there's someone around you that needs to be convicted, begin to pray for them. Because if you think you can convict them, you put yourself in a position that only the Holy Spirit can do the job. You are not the Holy Spirit. I'm not the Holy Spirit. Even when, I, when we speak and we, we, speak, we, we speak the words of truth, but if you're ever in a sermon or in a, in a service and you feel like something the preacher has said just spoke right to your heart, that wasn't the preacher. It was the Holy Spirit. The preacher just happened to be used in the process of speaking to your heart. Only the Holy Spirit can hit you right where you need to be hit. And if he's hitting you, thank the Holy Spirit because the only thing I'm doing is sharing off what the Holy Spirit's hitting me on and what he's doing in my life. And I've got myself to worry about, not in a selfish way, but I've got to take care of myself before I can do anything about anybody else. Take care of the plank that's in my own eye 
before I can deal with the speck that it's in someone else's eye. And in fact, I've learned the best way to influence somebody is not to wag a finger and tell them and tell them and tell them, but to lift a hand and walk after God and let them watch you, watch you, watch you. Not, not where they have to hear you and hear you and hear you, because sometimes we're so tired of hearing, my goodness, if you, there, sometimes there's, there's times I wonder, God, are we just wasting our time to get up and preach again? Because we don't need to hear another sermon, to be honest with you. We're, we, we can get them on podcasts. We can get it on TV. I know some of you are thinking right now, yep, you're right. I don't know why I come to church anyway. But what we need is to be in relationship. Here's why we come together. Not to just hear a word from God, but to be in relationship and to watch God at work with one another. To be at a place of encouragement and helping each other grow and develop and see this work take place that God wants to do. That if we mind our own business, that it becomes us setting the course, follow me as I follow Christ. Set a course of action. Operate in such a way that doesn't become necessary for us to preach our gospel, but to live it. Because before we ever preach it, let it be lived. Let it be what we model. That is more attractive than someone barking. Love will do a lot more. Paul said in another place, he said, if you think that I'm wrong in this opinion, he said, God will show you I'm right, you're wrong. Paul said, that's not my job to show you. My job is I'm just going to Follow Christ, and he'll reveal to you what you need. Because what we'll tend to do is, when you bother me, and if I don't reconcile it, then I'm going to go tell him how you bothered me. And then if he agrees with me of how you bothered me, then we're going to be able to console each other, well, actually uh, control each other, to a place of where we can get more. And then if we get enough people agreeing with it, then we can get more people on our side and then we can split whatever it is, the home, the business, the church. The How many think that's really not the work of God? So let's learn to mind our own business. That take care of home first. Get things in order. Let me give you number two. Number two is this. Don't mess in God's business. Don't mess in God's business. Paul says earlier in this chapter, we didn't read it, but Paul says that it is not, it is the job of the servant to be judged by the master. Therefore, if I pass judgment on you, then what I'm saying is I'm your master. Whoever you judge is the person you've convinced yourself that you're in, in control of. That they're accountable to you. Because oftentimes what we're judging are not always things that are right or wrong. Sometimes they are. I hope that you understand. I've already said there are absolutes in Scripture. Sexual immorality, lying, cheating, those things are an absolute. Don't misunderstand me. So if you're going to leave here today saying, well, the preacher said, you know, what, if it's not my conviction. So sleeping with this woman tonight is not my conviction. I know she's not my wife, but I'm not convicted by that. You've got a problem. I'm talking about issues that are really not a matter of right and wrong spelled out by Scripture. It's a matter of difference and how we handle them, how we handle our differences. That God's business, it's His business to judge. The reason Jesus came was to reconcile people to God. Paul gives us this warning. He says, be careful in verse 15. He says, if another believer is distressed, distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Don't let your bigotry, your racism, 
your arrogance, your pride, your self-preference, uh, your own desires. Don't let your issues cause someone to fall away from Christ. Because Jesus said in Luke chapter 17, verse 1, he said, temptations will come your way. There will be many things to make you fall, but woe to the one through whom they come. Woe to the person through whom they come. Be careful. Be careful in how we live our life. Here's what we, what we need to operate in is that if we're going to be in a place of minding our own business and making sure we don't get into God's business, that we have to practice self-restraint and self-control. The weaker person says, I can't eat meat, I can't eat that, I don't want to violate God, I don't want bad things to happen, I don't want to get in. And now we don't know if that weaker brother has an issue because they were caught up in, in, uh, in things that were related uh, to idolatry and it becomes an issue to them. I know for some people uh, it becomes an, I'll just tell you, God bless Sister June, she's with Jesus now. She's a great woman. I know she's dancing with Jesus. But I remember the day going to Sunday school and Sister June found out that for our family celebration we went to Pizza Hut and Sister June said to me, I can't believe your dad took you to Pizza Hut. And I'm like, oh, we like pizza. Maybe we're not supposed to like pizza. I didn't know this. Sister June said to me, you know they serve beer there. Well, Sister June done sent my whole family to hell because we went to Pizza Hut and they served beer at Pizza Hut. Now, I'm a little kid in Sunday school thinking, oh, God, I'm going to go to hell. God bless Sister June. She did the best she could. But, man, Sister June, that wasn't the gospel. Now, if you're an alcoholic, Sister June, you better not go to Pizza Hut, Sister June. Because your bun might just roll right out of its hair and you might get all kind of crazy if you show up at Pizza Hut. Because if you got a problem with alcohol, Sister June, then you better stay away. All right, so Sister June, stay away from alcohol and I'm then do that. But my dad took me to Pizza Hut and we were totally fine. We got some Pepsi, some pepperoni pizza, and we all walked out straight. It was good. It was good. Everything's fine. Now, if that's a weaker brother or weaker sister, now, she wanted to say, ba ba ba, but I've got to be careful to go in back saying, huh, you don't even know what you're talking about. I've got to be careful. If that is a weaker brother or sister, I've got to be careful of how we respond and how we handle this. It's God's business to judge. It's my business to serve. It's my business to come alongside and to serve. And here's what he says. Paul says, if your brother doesn't eat meat because he has, he's weak in whatever reason, he can't eat meat, then don't walk up to your brother and be like, I don't know why you got a problem with this. He says, for the sake of your brother then, restrain yourself. If you really want to know if you're strong in your faith, it all depends on how much self-control you have. The level of strength in your spiritual walk is connected to your level of self-control. If you don't have self-control, your spiritual level is a little bit down here. But if you want to say you're weak in your walk with, or you're strong in your walk with God, then how good are you at stopping the words that come out of your mouth because you have self-control? How good are you at handling the anger that wants to rise because you have self-control? How good are you at keeping yourself in a place of, of accessibility and walking through and confronting things as opposed to just operating in whatever way you want, practicing self control. That's the place that we're called to, that when we have self-control, here's what self-control does. Self-control puts us in our place so God can take his place. 
Self-control puts us in our place so that God can have his place. God is the one who judges. It's not my business to judge you. I can judge some fruit. There's some things I have to be aware of. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'm going to parent my children. I'm going to do responsible things. I've got rules. I've got things. They're in my house. But I don't have any room in business to talk about your house because I've just got to be responsible for my house. Now, I want to live in such a way that when people come to my house, I had a friend of mine over a couple weeks ago and and, uh, walked into the house, and there was no one home except the barking dog that I wish wasn't home. Um, the, uh, we walked into the place and he gave me one of the best compliments I think you could get for me anyway we walked into the house and he said to me he said man there's a good spirit in this place there's a good spirit in this place now some of you are like whoa mediums what's going on what are you talking about no there's an atmosphere that we set There's an atmosphere that attracts. There's an atmosphere that longs and desires and draws and wants. Let us live our lives that people say, I want what they've got. I want to live like they live. I want to experience what they experience. That we don't get in the business, that's God's business. Let's just take care of what's our business. You following me? Let me give you the last one here. The, The last one is this. Make peace your business. Make peace your business. Peace. We're called to live at peace with one another. And this is the business that we're about. And have you found out that if you're in the business of selling hot dogs, then you might want to just stick in the business of selling hot dogs and don't try to make it more and more and more. There's a model of some businesses that have really learned to just focus on what they do and do it well and not do what doesn't matter but just do what your business is. And sometimes for us, we got to be careful that our business is about things that really matter instead of making our business stuff that doesn't matter. Here's what Paul said. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat or what you drink. That stuff doesn't matter. That stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you eat or what you drink. That doesn't matter. What matters is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Notice what connects those. I would already have said that I would probably, because of my upbringing, um, because of how I was raised in church, um, I grew up in more of a a, uh, uh, real conservative home, and I thank God for that. I grew up in a home where, hey, we're not going to listen to secular music which I've come to even in places and say, what's secular, what's... I'm thankful for my upbringing because my parents did everything to raise me in a way of honoring God, but they never did so in a way of judging people or causing us to make ourselves, well, we're better than they are. Because what I watched in the church is, well, I don't do that. We're better than them because we don't do that. We're better because we don't listen to that music. We don't do those events. We don't do those things. We're better than they are. My parents really kept that away. But we had some strong things around us. So because of my upbringing, I'm real sensitive to, man, I don't want to get involved in that stuff. I don't want to, I mean, it's probably a reason why I've never had an issue with pornography in my life. Because my parents instilled in me things, we're not even going to touch it. We're not even going to let boundaries occur. And I want to just say that to you. If you're struggling today, I don't know why I just hit pornography. 
If you've got that, if there's an issue, there's an addiction, whatever that is, God is able to deliver you. He can set you free. I thank God that I had parents around me that we, we just really instilled. And probably part of it was because there was a spirit in our home that was the presence of God. And I just want to please the heart of God. I want the presence of God. I think my parents just taught me how to honor the presence of God in a way that, man, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to grieve the spirit. I want to welcome the presence of God. Not better, just it's how my parents raised me. But I could find myself being in that weaker brother moment of like, don't touch it. Don't do that. And I know that there are times that when I hear that the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, I could stand on this side and say, that's right. Righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. You've got to have righteousness. You've got to do righteous things, be righteous, do righteous, be righteous. Righteousness, that's right. Hey, but there's more than that. Because then on the other side is joy. Now, my wife is different than me. She's different because I tend to be the one who is like not only in just spiritual things, I'm the cross the T's, dot the I's, kind of put things together kind of guy. I'm into details. My wife's into details, but my wife has a little more of this nature where she's carefree. Do you know something? Not careless, but carefree. How many know what I'm talking about? And there are times I'm like, I wish I could be like that. She's different than me. And she's sometimes on the side where things won't bother her the way they bother me because she's like, joy. Now, she's not a valley girl ditzy kind of thing. No, she's not. Ah, da, 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 da. I mean, not like that at all. But it's just this, hey, like I'll say, man, I really got to take care of this. If this doesn't happen, we have to. And she'll be on this side saying, well, it'll all work out. I'm like, what do you mean it'll all work out? We got to do something to make it work out. She's like, we can't do anything about it. And I'm like, I know you're right, but you should be like me right now. And how many know we have a difference? And in that moment, I'm not right. She's not wrong. We're just different. Because I'm righteous, righteous, righteous. Joy, joy, joy. Da, 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 da. It's all good. And I'm over here saying, man, I wish I had some of that. And I hope there's time. She's like, I wish I had, maybe not. I don't know. We'll, not sure. But what's in the middle? Peace. Righteousness. You see, the person who's the weaker brother, they could stomp and say, woo, righteousness, righteousness, righteousness. We built a whole bunch of churches that are righteous, the first righteous church of God. And then there have been other churches. The first joyous church of God. We're not like them. We're better. We're not about, we don't have the rules and all that stuff. We do it like this. You know what? I've had people say, man, you, we love coming to church. It's good and, and it's enjoyable, but you preach too long. I said, man, I'm sorry about that. He said, I'm used to 15-minute sermons. Brother, I'm just getting started. And you know what? You know what I said to him? I said, well, then, man, you're probably already in the church that you belong in. That's where you need to be. Just love Jesus. We're still going to run into each other. We're still going to pray together. We're still going to talk together. You might not do what I do, but I'm not right and you're not wrong. We're just different. We're just different. But we want to take the place of, no, we're better. Be careful. Be careful of the barrel that you're looking down. Be careful 
what it might be. There's the difference, but what brings them together is peace. Here's what I want to end with. Paul says this then. He says, make every effort or let, let us live in harmony with one another. He says, live in harmony with one another. And as we live in harmony with one another, do everything that we can to build each other up. Live in harmony with one another. Some of you need to identify today, there's some things that you've allowed your separatist attitude to come in because people are different than you. Racism is of the devil. We've allowed it to resurge and become something else. Just call it out. Call it what it is. It's of the devil. Your culture might be different than my culture. That's okay. You got a different way of doing it. That's all right. There's nothing wrong with being different. As long as our heart is in the direction of honoring God. Because I could probably learn something from you. Maybe you could learn something from me. But if we just keep our church and our people and our relationships all the same, kind of like Brandon playing the guitar. He's pretty good at playing the guitar. Do you know how thankful I am that Brandon comes every week to play the guitar at three services every Sunday? This brother has not missed a Sunday. He's faithful. I bet his hands are even getting tired right now as I'm just waiting and talking. I say, Brandon, put a band together. Brandon, we need a band. We need a band. And Brandon gets up. Brandon says, all right, we're going to have a band. What did Brandon say to everybody else? Hey, everybody, go grab your guitar and play it just like me. You know what you got? Just louder guitar. Just more of the same. But how often are we pushing people away because they're not like us and we'd rather just isolate to how we think, how we look, how we do, how we feel. And as long as you think and act and look like me, then we can all have unity. That's not unity. That's manipulation and control. Call criticism what it is. At the heart, it's manipulation and it's control. It gets kind of ugly when you call it what it really is. Let's put other names on it and let it be, well, we're just working through this issue for 40 years. Okay, Israel, time to get out of the desert. Time to walk into the promised land. Allow this to work. But then, of course, he's got a band together. And I want you to hear today, harmony is not the same thing. It's a new thing. Harmony is not the same thing. It's a new thing. You see, because this might be the same song, but when Greg starts to play, it becomes something Not the same. I, do you even know how to play that thing? Oh, he does. I mean, you're just plucking one string. I mean, really. Really. Oh, but it lays a foundation and a depth and it's got something to it. It's not everybody playing the same thing. It's, hey, 
I've got this, it's different. I've got this, it's different. But when we do it to the same purpose, to the same honor, to the same goal, it creates something more. But what are you even doing in that cage, man? Are you watching Netflix? I, all right, you got two sticks. This is even a slow song. I mean, what can you even possibly bring to this song? What, what do you got? Judy, come on up here. You can do this, Judy. Get up here, Judy. You can. I mean, that's your that's that's your pardon. I mean, obviously, he could like say, you know what, we really need a heavy drum beat right now. Just break into a heavy drum beat. I mean, just just a It's all about you, Dalton. It's all about you, Dalton. It's all about you. But how many know when you know it's time, it's not about you? He knows at the right time. When it's time to just back off. When it's time just to play my part. And some of us like, more cowbell, more cowbell, more cowbell, more, more me, more me, more what I want, more what I want, more this, more. No. Let, let it come together. What are you even doing up here? You don't even have an instrument. Get her spoons or something. My goodness. Poor kid. I wonder if she's even got talent. My gosh. Oh, you might as well do something. You're standing up here. What, what, what do you got? Firm foundation, I will put my trust in you alone, and I will not I think it's attractive. I think it's beautiful. Oh, don't stop. Don't stop. I think it's the body of Christ. I think it's harmony. I think it's the church in a world that needs to hear the sound of salvation, the sound of hope, not the condemnation, not the judgmental, not the good enough, but I'm going to come together and I'm going to play the part. I'm going to build up the body of Christ. I'm going to walk together with the body and I'm going to play my part so that the sound of Jesus might be heard, that the sound of Jesus might be lifted up over my county, over my home. We're going to jump to our feet. We're going to sing in just a moment. We're going to declare this over every place of controversy that our life is built on Christ. What I want to say to you today, put down the barrel and pick up the banner. Put down the barrel and pick up the banner. The banner was raised in the Old Testament. They would raise the banner when they were identifying and saying that we're going into battle, we belong to the Lord, the Lord is for us. The Bible says that God at times would even cause His banner of love to be over them. What God was saying is, they belong to me, they're mine, you can't touch them. They have the Spirit of God at work in them. Don't let the enemy come in and rob what God wants to do. Put down the barrel and pick up the banner. Pick up the banner of God's love, of His peace, of His presence, and begin to declare the standard who is Jesus Christ. You're not the standard. You're not the standard. This is not your church. This is not my church. This is the church that belongs to Jesus Christ. Now, we might have a different flavor. That's okay. We're just different. 
We do it this way. That's all right. We're not better than another church. We're not, we're not in a place that we're, we're boasting or putting ourselves above. We're just who God has called us to be right now. And you know what? We're going to reach across the lines, and we're going to bless those other churches. We're going to serve together. We're going to build the body of Christ together. Because you might not do what I do, but we're just different. It's the same banner that raises over us. If Jesus said this, if I be lifted up, what? I will draw all men unto him. How many would say, it's just time to lift up Jesus. Forget worrying about your differences and trying to make it right or making it wrong. Just lift up Jesus and let him heal and let him do the work.